Hey, my beautiful people. Today's podcast is something I didn't really plan. And today kind of has been one of those days where I can't really center my thoughts. I feel like I can't concentrate and like, you know, I've been trying to do work all day and I just, you know, I'll do work for like 10 minutes and I just can't do it. I can't sit down. I can't focus. It's just not happening. And like, I did take breaks and I was watching some movies and like, usually like I'll take small breaks or like I'll distract myself and like I'll do certain things that I believe that will in some way have helped in the past to better my mood or to get me out of this funk and you know I watched my movies it was good it was enjoyable I still cleaned which is great like I accomplished something today and then I was sitting down trying to do my work but I had started this other movie beforehand and it was very interesting very very great movie it's called um it's on Netflix. It's called Molly's Game, I believe. And it's it's pretty long, but I very much recommend it. And it was, just to give a brief summary about the whole movie, it's basically this, this woman, and she's built this almost... She, she's helped set up all these poker games with very famous, influential people. And she made a lot of money out of it. And her background was, like, she used to be a professional. She used to ski professionally, and she made it to the Olympics and until she, like, crashed. And then it goes on to, like, this whole story about how she ended up where she ended up. And she's eventually gets involved with the Russian mob and like it's a whole thing now the whole reason why I'm bringing this up is because I was already in a weird mental space and there was this one scene in the movie that I don't know if it triggered me or like what exactly happened but it it struck a chord and I guess an important thing to know about Molly's background is that her father was always very tough on her very always wanted her to succeed be the best and like that was just like one of the few like he she just and she always tries to go against him she was the oldest of three kids and so Eventually, like, as she grows up, like, she found finds out, like, you know, her parents divorced. And, like, she finds out that her dad was cheating on, his, on her mom. Her dad was cheating on her mom. And so then, you know, she's fighting this case or, like, trying to fight this case against her. And all, all of a sudden, like, she goes she's walking through central park and she sees, like, a skating rink. And she's just like, oh, let me just I, I need to skate right now. And so then all of a sudden, like, 
her dad pops up and like her and her dad don't really have a good relationship it's not the i don't it's not the worst not that i've seen but like they don't they weren't really on talking terms and so he pops out out of nowhere and you know he pulls her aside and like they're sitting on this bench and she's like oh like why are you here like i don't like what brings you here and like oh i'm here because you're here and like and she she specified because i guess she called him and she was just like i didn't ask i didn't call you for money i just called you because i wanted you to be there as my father and so her dad is trying to talk to her and her dad is um he his his background is he's a psychologist and he's a professor and so he's a therapist and so he essentially says like oh you know like sit down like I'm gonna give you I'm a very expensive therapist and like I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a three years worth of therapy in just like a few minutes like just sit down and because she's desperately trying to leave because she doesn't have a good relationship with her father and she doesn't want to talk to him and so he begins essentially like there's three questions he asked her and three questions that needed to be answered to kind of understand why she ended up where she did and so he asked her how does someone that was so successful at being like made it so far in professional skiing and she was going to become a lawyer afterwards like she already had her like she already was accepted and everything all she had to do was go to law school and so he's like how does somebody that would have a bright future in anything she did become this whole head of this multi-million dollar like thing that she had with like this gambling and poker and everything I don't know if I'm doing a good job explaining but hopefully you kind of are keeping up with my train of thought which is very confusing I know but then you know he he makes the claim of like oh you like control over powerful men and like which was honestly not that important but then the second question is he 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 looks at her and he's like oh ask the question that you want to ask and she's like do you think you were a good husband and he replies why do you care and she gets very aggravated and she's like well because you're you were the husband of my mother and you know there's this thought of oh and i feel like a lot of parents have this of oh this is my relationship this is between my my significant other and I, but a lot of the times when kids are involved, kids kind of grow up with this idea that if they do see infidelity of, okay, not only did my mom or my, fa- my father, in this case, I guess our father, not care or disrespected my mother in this way, but he also did not care about me my existence and 
it's almost as though you're also cheating on your kids. And so, I already was like that. All right, you know what? I'm going to go into that after I finish the last question. And so then he goes, good job. You just finished like the second year of therapy. Now, for the last question, I will tell you the answer to your problem. But you have to ask the question. And... You know they had they were they were, they're bickering for a little bit and then she finally there's silence and she finally goes why did you always favor my two brothers two younger brothers because both her younger brothers were also very successful I think one of them was like a surgeon and the other one was like professional and another professional skier they were both very successful which is the point. And she asked, why did you prefer them over me? And why did you make it so visible to me? And, or so obvious that they were your favorite, or at the very least that I wasn't your favorite. And so, after that, his response was very interesting because he goes, well, I could tell that every single time that I look at you, every time that we interacted, I knew that she had, he knew that his daughter was aware of the fact that he was being unfaithful to his wife and that he knew that she knew from a very young age. And she goes like, what are you talking about? Like, I didn't know until, that you were unfaithful to her mother until she was 20 and she and he and her dad was just like no like you 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 knew at you knew when you were like five and you know you saw a lot of things that like maybe you didn't quite understand but like you knew and every single time that I saw you it just reminded me and it made me feel guilty of what I've done so I made it fairly obvious that you were my favorite or I guess that's the response that he did based on the fact that her face her expressions her the way she viewed her dad and the way she interacted with him made him feel guilty and so after that prior to all of this like there was a time where like she was getting involved with the Russian mom or whatever and so you know, she got very badly beat up. And so then he, I guess he eventually found out. And like, he, there was a very emotional part where he was like, you like, I don't, I would never want whoever like put their hands on you. Like, like, I'm going to take care of it. Da, 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 da. And, you know, like the father started to tear up and stuff like that. And like the daughter is just like, no, but I'm okay. Like, I'm okay. And it was the scene of, a father and a daughter kind of reconciling their relationship and like things finally being said out loud of all these toxic traits all these bad things and things that scarred her and eventually made her the person that she was not to say that's the the whole like reason for to 
be who she was, but it definitely had something to do with it. And it became very emotional when then he started to cry at the very fact of somebody laying a hand on his daughter. And, you know, just by the face of the actor, you can kind of, you can tell so much. And it's kind of a moment of, wow, like, after all these years of thinking that my dad didn't care about me or that I, you know, because we didn't have a good relationship, I thought he didn't care for me the way that he did for my other siblings. In this moment, when it comes down to it, when somebody's like putting their hands on me, when he finds out that somebody put their hands on me or that I'm in danger, whether it be physically or any sort of way, he does care it does affect him emotionally and mentally and it was a very interesting moment and a very at the very least it was very interesting to me and I guess we're going back to what I was saying beforehand of my mind was already scattered and I thought I I had dealt with my daddy issues, I guess. And, you know, majority, I would say 90% is there, 95 even. And, which is great progress, I would say. And not to say that my my issues were some big, crazy thing. They weren't, I don't think, in, in the great aspect of things compared to others. But I very much related in her story a bit where you have this perception of your father figure and this is somebody that is strong, that is unemotional, that you kind of look up to because they are so successful, but at the very same time you almost resent because of the way they are treating you or the way they are treating your I guess mother in this case and it was interesting and like I guess it kind of reminded me that in a subconscious way I'm still not quite over it and I've tried so hard to almost convince myself that I don't need an apology and you know I I I really don't and a lot of times you don't need an apology but an apology is always it leads towards closure it does and I guess in this case and I can only say like how I feel and like my perception my perception of things but a lot of the times I feel like like Molly in this movie she she grew up almost feeling unwanted or like she wasn't her father's favorite or they weren't able to have this close relationship like her other siblings were 
and what seemed like a natural relationship to her other siblings seemed like such hard work for her and she wasn't even getting close to how good her their relationship with her siblings were and to see that and to this whole then this whole idea of I'm not enough and I need to be better and if I'm not the best then I am nothing starts to accumulate and it starts to fester in this person and so when this whole this I feel like that's why this woman is so big and like I don't know if I'm searching for this moment or if I need this moment because I understand you know I have after my whole journey and going from not respecting myself and being in deep depression and anxiety and all these things and going through this whole process of what I believe is respect from in in terms of a romantic relationship I feel like I do respect myself now and I do love myself and even on the rare occasions where I do have that voice in the back of my head saying you're not enough you're stupid or like this negative voice at the back of my head I am able to control it or at the very least shut it off and not listen to it and I know that in some occasions you don't necessarily need an apology to heal but yet it left me so confused because when this whole scene was happening in the movie I related so much and you know I I became a little teary-eyed because I I do feel like in a subconscious way or maybe even a conscious way I do seek out this apology from my father and not to say like he's he's not at I understand that like I don't want to make it seem like he's the worst person in the world because he's not he's a very good man he's very hardworking. he tries his best to his full capacity and this goes back to like my podcast about men and like not having the tools to be emotional and to love your family in a way where they can hear it or it's it's a verbal way but in a way where you the way certain men show their love is by providing for their family working and like providing all these materialistic things because that's what they were taught to do or that's what they were taught to what that that equates to showing love and I understand that I can break it down to what it is and I know at the end of the day this person does care for me this person does love me but there are times where it's just like yes I would want this person to sit me down on a bench in Central Park and apologize or talk about it or almost say the words and to finally say all the things that I've known for so long and like make me feel like I'm not the crazy one 
like I'm not the crazy one for feeling this unattachment to this person and like I resonated so much because I guess the way I perceived things growing up you know I when I was I remember a time where I did have a good relationship to my father and then I don't know what happened and then everything just switched and you know like Molly or like Molly's father said at a very young age you see things that you don't necessarily understand but you you know it's not right and a lot of times that does affect how you view your parent and it does affect your behavior towards them and when Molly's father was like I treated you like you weren't my favorite and I made it very visible because you reminded me of the guilt for being unfaithful to your mother I feel like that's something that I always thought and maybe it's true maybe it's not and maybe the best thing I could do is shy away from that because at the end of the day you know I don't I don't know my father's thought process I don't know if like that's the reason why we didn't have a good relationship maybe it is simply the fact that he didn't grow up with the tools to be vocal to express his emotions in the way that would eventually be useful for me and he didn't know how to communicate it could be as simple as that and I guess in the back of my head it was the fear that it was that I reminded him of his guilt and that caused our relationship to not to stay stagnant and to never develop Whereas when they did have my little brother, me and my little brother are 10 years apart, I feel like the way they interacted, how easily they, you know, he would laugh at the small things that my little brother would do. And like, it just seemed so natural to them and their relationship. And maybe it was the fact that there were two guys, but like, I some point in my teenage life I did resent my little brother for a second and sure it was a time where I was in dark place and all these things but that's that that is an, an excuse for having those thoughts for your sibling or anything like that but and it had nothing to do with my brother at all it was just like almost seeing this senior father in front of your face have a good relationship with one of your siblings where you aren't able to have that and in a way I saw it as rubbing it in my face which it wasn't it wasn't it the I don't think these things were intentional it was just the way that you know I grew up and eventually he had to evolve as well so i don't i don't believe these things were intentional at all but it comes 
I guess these thoughts come from a very emotional place, a, a place where that hurt little girl still exists. And it does come out every once in a while. And I guess this scene kind of brought that out for like a second. And because my mind was already all over the place, it kind of just enhanced it. And I don't know. The way I tried to deal with it was, you know, I worked out. I took a shower. I watched some videos. I tried to get out of my head. And I feel slightly better. I guess speaking about it does help as well. Verbalizing exactly my thought process. And it's almost like I'm organizing my my thoughts and my brain. I think not like I don't think it's gonna be a big thing whatsoever. And like not to say that I'm not gonna continue to break this down and understand it because you can let these em- these emotions like these thoughts that come from an emotional place not to say that they're not important but a lot of times emotional thoughts can be unreasonable and sometimes you have to sit down with those thoughts and break them down to become logical like this case i understand that the feelings that were brought up by this scene of this movie came from a irrational emotional place and i'm sitting down i'm trying to analyze it i understand that these thoughts don't come out frequently and that for the most part when it comes to myself i have resolved most of my issues in the regards of i guess these daddy issues or whatever but there is like i said this little five percent where maybe i didn't And maybe I just have to sit down with them again and review them again. And not to say that I'm going to fixate on it. I'm not. But I'm also not going to let it overrun my day. You know, I I saw that I was not concentrating. I saw that I was uneasy mentally and emotionally. So what did I do? I stood up. I was like, I can't do this. I can't concentrate. I'm not going to do work right now. I closed my laptop, went to work out for like half an hour, 45 minutes, did as much as as I could in that time, came upstairs, watched the video, went to go take a shower, listened to some music, and I got on here. I talked it out. I tried to create order in this place full of chaos in my head. And it helped. It did. And maybe it can help other people. If you are in the same place of dealing with thoughts that you thought you had resolved beforehand, but all of a sudden they pop up, I understand this reflex of ignoring it. And, you know, you can do certain things to help physically or mentally you know i was considering painting at like doing little things that you know 
make you feel better, that make you feel good, that will, will bring you back to a place of equilibrium, that will be okay. But eventually, you do have to sit down with yourself, talk things out with yourself, break them down, and eventually try to make a game plan as to how you're going to go about dealing with these issues. Maybe there is a part of me that wants this apology, but we have to sit down and be logical. You have to sit down with yourself and see what are the things that I can that I can change. What are in my power? What are the things that I can do? I can actively change. I can actively change things about myself. I can actively change my perception of things. What I cannot change is the perception of somebody else. What they their decisions in the past, their decisions in the future, and the decisions in the present. Anything around me, I cannot really change, especially people. So what you need to do is focus on yourself, which is what I'm doing now. And it has brought me some peace. And I'm so grateful for making this podcast and for kind of giving myself this outlet and maybe in some way this will help other people but thank you for listening to me ramble on i know this is pretty random but maybe you can relate in some way maybe my thought process can help you eventually solve your issues or your chaotic brain in some way but please remember every day Take one step closer to self-actualization. Thank you, guys.